Good morning. Glad you're with us today. I think my microphone's on. Oh, there I am. Good morning. Glad you're here. Glad that uh, we get a chance to worship today. Obviously, the weather didn't cooperate completely, but you're here and everything's great. We had a great first service as well this morning. Lots of good things are happening. I hear that our bridge group, which is kind of our junior high sort of age group, not exactly, but they had a great retreat. We've had two baptisms already this morning. Isn't that great? God is doing incredible things here right now. It's hard to explain, but we are so thankful that we are a part of that, that we get to watch it happen of what God is doing. God is so wonderful. There's a great women's retreat coming up soon, and I hope that if you are in that category that you'll be a part of that as well. This morning we continue our series that we're talking about becoming. All year we'll be talking about this idea of becoming more like God, more like Jesus, and this, for this time, we're talking about becoming in the desert, because all of us have desert experiences. You may not be in a literal desert, certainly we aren't by living here in Houston, but we all sometimes go through the desert. Sometimes health issues put us in the desert. Sometimes it's economic issues put us in the desert. Sometimes it's our family, it's ourselves, it goes on and on and on. But this morning you may be there, or you may be coming out of one, or you may be getting ready to go into one. And this morning we're going to be looking at the hungry Israelites. Now for, to explain our audience, if you are new here, I want you to understand that we have folks, some who have studied the Bible and have known the Bible forward and backwards for more than 80 years. But we have others that today will be the first time possibly that this has ever been heard. We come from all different, all different places, all different backgrounds. So I want to explain a little bit as we get into this. Whenever God formed his nation, Israel, basically they were formed in Egypt, inside of Egypt. They didn't live there originally. You remember last week, if you were here, we talked about Joseph and God raised up this great leader, Joseph, and Joseph was second in command in all of Egypt, and, and his family came to see him, and Joseph said to his family, stay here with me, and the Pharaoh loved them, and their family stayed there, and then the Bible says, a little scary verse, it says, and a Pharaoh arose that did not know Joseph, and things got really rough for Joseph's family. Now, by this time, Joseph doesn't just have like a, a ten brothers. Joseph has hundreds of descendants, maybe even thousands of descendants. And for 400 years, those descendants of Joseph and Jacob and those before him were held as slaves in Egypt. And finally, the day came when God talked to Moses, who was also a part of Israel but was away, and he said, I want you to come back and I want you to lead my people out of Egypt. I want my people to be free as I always said they would be after 400 years. And so finally, and we'll talk about this another day, Moses goes back. God performs what we might call 10 incredible miracles, but they are 10 plagues on Egypt. So, And there's a reason for that that we'll talk about another day as well. But he lets them go finally. And finally, God's people leave Egypt and they go out into the desert. God had told them, when this last one comes, when the firstborn in every family in Egypt dies, then you need to be ready. And so he even told them, be standing up, have your staff in your hand, have bread ready that doesn't have any yeast so you don't have to wait for it to rise, and you're going to need food when you're in the desert, so get ready and go. 
And at that point, whenever Pharaoh said, said, go, you can leave, Israel, thousands of people start piling out in an organized fashion, out of Egypt and out into the desert, and they had witnessed one of the most incredible miracles of all time. Not the most incredible, but one of the most incredible. Whenever the sea parted, the Red Sea parted, you can imagine as they get out there, they're in the desert, we got to go, and now they're in front of a sea and they're going, we don't have any boats, what are we going to do? How are we going to get across? And you remember that God parted that sea in that scripture reading you heard this morning. That is what is called Miriam's song. Miriam, the sister of Moses, sings that song and all of Israel is singing with her as they talk about what God has done and led the people through the Red Sea and right behind it comes Pharaoh who changes his mind and Pharaoh says, oh boy, I made a mistake. I said to go and I don't want him to go because I have just lost my free labor source. I want to go get him. What would this do to the economy if I lose all my slaves? So he goes after them himself with his army. And as they get out into the middle of dry land but water on both sides, then the water comes in and Pharaoh and his army is destroyed and God's people are in a wonderful place. They're in the desert, but they're in a wonderful place because they are free. And so all of this happens. You can read all of this in the Old Testament in the book of Exodus. And you think everything is good, but then crankiness set in. You know that idea of being cranky? You, some, surely none of you have ever been cranky before, but you have been around cranky people, right? It was never your fault. It's somebody else's, right? You know how that goes. I want you to imagine what this is like. They've only been out there like a week, and they're already upset. But I want you to imagine, you know, it's Christmas morning. You have kids, and you've been so excited for your kids. You have one big box. All the kids have to come in for that one big box and they, uh, that has the wrapping paper, and it has a big bow on it. And you say, I want you all to unwrap this. And they go, okay, it's early on, on Christmas morning. They unwrap it. They throw the paper everywhere. They rip open the box. And all that's in it is a teddy bear. And they pull out that teddy bear. And then there's a note on it. It says, kids, put on your shoes and get in the car. We're going to Disney World. And so how exciting would that be? Supposedly the greatest place on earth, they say, right? And so you're like, wow, and the kids would be so excited, and you have so many kids, there's no way you're flying there, you're going to be driving there. And so you get in the car, before you even get out of Houston, you're already hearing, are we there yet? Are we there? I need to go to the bathroom, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, brother just hit me, and brother says, yep, I slapped her across the face. You know all those things. You have, some of you have been in those cars, so you know what I'm talking about. You are supposed to be going somewhere wonderful, but there's all this arguing and fighting going on in the car. Dare I say, this morning on the way to worship service, some of you might have experienced this, right? Old singer Ray Stevens has a song about breaking all the commandments on the way to church, you know, as you try to get your family there. It's supposed to be wonderful. They're going to the promised land, but already, yeah, we saw God part the Red Sea. Yeah, we saw him do those ten miracles that we call plagues. Yeah, we saw him do all that. But you know what? I'm hungry. Why don't I have any food to eat? Later they're going to say, why don't I have any water to drink? And so we see in Exodus chapter 16 and verses 2 and 3. In the desert, the whole community, the Israelite community, grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, 
If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. You hear them? Oh, they are so upset and so angry and they take it out on Moses and Aaron because they are the spokespeople for God. If only, oh, back there in Egypt, oh, it was great. We had pots of meat to sit around all the time. You can imagine kind of what that looked like. Now, it's sad that they don't teach what I'm about to tell you in public schools because they ought to teach what I'm about to tell you in every public school, okay? You should be blessed that you're here today or you are watching online or you'll hear it streamed later on because what I'm about to tell you is something that every school child, child should know and every adult should know. In recorded history, this is the first case of someone being hangry, okay? This is it right here. They're hungry and they are angry. Surely you have never been this way, right? I tried to do this little diet thing when I was in, in high school, and one of my teachers said to me, it was actually it was in a computer class. We had those Tandy computers, some of you are old enough to remember, and that's what we worked on, and the teacher said, David, you need to quit doing that diet thing because you're not as nice as you were before. And so I was like, okay, and so still today, I'm following her advice, trying to do what she said. But they are so upset. They are so upset. God, you let us out here. You let us out here just to die. I wonder if you've ever felt that way. I wonder if any of us in the audience this morning are here. Maybe some of us just happened in here because someone brought us or we're nowhere and having an issue. So we Googled churches near me and you ended up here. Maybe you come every week and you're still, nobody knows what's going on on the inside, but you're feeling that way. That does happen from time to time to just nearly everyone that you feel a little frustrated with what's happening. And so thoughts can get muddled in the deserts. When you're going through a desert experience in your life, sometimes you start thinking differently, things that don't make sense. Oh, they make sense to you at the time, but they don't make sense, right? You know what I'm talking about? We, this congregation has people that come from lots of different countries. We are blessed by that. We have an international day that's going to be coming up, coming up in several weeks. It's going to be wonderful that we get to celebrate our cultures and where we're from. But sometimes when you're frustrated here, you may remember how great things were at home when maybe they weren't that great. I can tell you that I, I remember this from living outside of the country. I remember when we lived outside of the country, I used to think, well, in the United States, there was never a line for anything. And then we moved back and I had to go to the DMV. You know what I mean? And when there is a line there for, for no understood purpose, you're just supposed to be in line. And it's like, oh, I thought that didn't happen. Or, you know what? There's all this crime in this place I live now. But back in the United States, there was no crime there. And then I turned on the 10 o'clock news. Yeah, sometimes when we feel like we're in the desert, we start muddling our thoughts and things we think aren't really true. But we think they're true at the moment. And we say things and act in a certain way. And maybe you're in a desert Maybe you're in the middle of a health crisis right now, or maybe it's a financial or, or job 
crisis that you're in the midst of. Maybe you're missing home. Maybe, maybe it's a marriage that is not going the way it's supposed to, or maybe it's because there is no marriage. And maybe the thoughts aren't exactly what they're supposed to be. So here Israel is. They are ready to turn on the provider. It's like, do you realize who you're turning on? This God turned water to blood back there. This is the same God that, that sent the frogs and all those other things. This is the God that parted the Red Sea, and now you're going to turn on him because, because you had pots of meat back at home? I mean, do you realize what they're saying and what God could say back to them? They're saying, oh, can you imagine back when we were in Egypt, we ate a taste of Texas every day. I mean, that's what they're saying, right? And God could easily say, you realize when you were there, you were slaves. You didn't decide what time you got up in the morning. You didn't decide what time you went to bed at night. You didn't decide what you did for a living. You didn't decide anything about your life. You were a slave. Yeah, but I got to eat meat. No, you didn't. But oh, the thoughts get muddled, and now here they are turning on God, blaming Moses and Aaron and God because they are the spokespeople for him, and saying we should have just died there. Now here's what's incredible. God is going to show his grace to these people at this moment. I want you to carry on with this in Exodus chapter 16 and verses 10 through 12. So while Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. Then you will know when you eat bread and when you eat meat, you will know that I am the Lord your God. Now, there's something in here that I think is, that I've never seen before that I'm going to share with you. That, that God provided way more than what they expected. You know, I am probably the last person in the room that saw this verse that I'm about to share with, with you today. I'm probably the last, but let me tell you, when I saw this, it hit me. If you are a person who writes in your Bible, circle this scripture, put it on your, on, on your mirror, whatever you do, have it pop up every day on your phone to read and remember this scripture I'm about to share with you. Actually, I just shared it with you, but it's Exodus chapter 16, verse 10, we just read. The whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. You're saying, what do you mean by that? It doesn't say when they looked away from the desert. It's when they looked at the desert that they saw the glory of the Lord. Now, do you see what I'm saying? Whatever your issue is that you're struggling with, family issue, health issue, economic issue, emotional issue, whatever it is, God is in the problem the glory of the Lord is there with you. He's not causing the problem, but he's there with you. You are not alone. This is powerful. This is, to me, now maybe not to you, but to me, this is like a game-changing verse. God is in my desert. 
whatever I'm struggling with, God is there. And the glory of God is there. Don't give up. Don't say, God, where are you? God, why have you forgotten me? What, what God is saying is, I'm there. I'm there in the desert with you. I'm there. Whenever you're hungry, God is there. Whenever you've been forgotten, God is there. When you've been betrayed, God is there. Whenever you feel like nobody wants you, God is there. When you have done something against others, you have sinned, God is there. This is powerful. When they look at the deserts, they see the glory of the Lord, and there he is. You know, what they're learning is, they thought they needed something out of the desert. Let us go back to slavery. It's a lot better than the desert. Let us go anywhere else rather than here and it'll be better. All they needed was in the desert. You're saying, well, they needed food. They needed water. Yeah. Yes. All they needed was God. And God was in the desert with them. You know, there is a some of you have studied things like names of God, for example. And what that means is, in the Old Testament especially, there are descriptions given of God that then become his names that we call him. And one of those names that some of you may know from an old Amy Grant song is El Shaddai. You may know that. Maybe you sing it at church, youth group, whatever. Powerful song. It's in Hebrew. It's a Hebrew phrase, El Shaddai. And El Shaddai means all-sufficient or almighty. So when you're reading in your Bibles, for example, in the Old Testament, and you see almighty, the almighty said, or God almighty did, it is saying, understand this, make it sound simple, the almighty, not just almighty, almighty did. Do you realize what it means to go against the almighty? Do you realize how ridiculous it would be to live a life against the Almighty? Makes no sense at all, does it? Do you also understand how ridiculous it is to think that the Almighty would not be providing for us? Because the Almighty is there. So, when you look in the Old Testament, for example, in the book of Job, and, and this isn't on your screen, but you look in the book of Job, Job is a book where, where Job's famous outside even of biblical things, or people don't know biblical things, for all the problems that he had. He lost his family, he lost his money, he, had a, he lost his health, he loses everything. Do you know what phrase is used over and over in the book of Job? The almighty Shaddai, 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 over and over. You get to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. Do you know what Jeremiah's favorite phrase is to refer to God? Shaddai, the almighty in my tears, the almighty in my pain, the almighty. You get to the book of Isaiah where God calls Isaiah and Isaiah has a ministry of prophesying and preaching for people to change and repent for 50 years. And do you know what God tells him in chapter 6? No one will ever listen to you. And so what happens as he preaches is over and over, he is depending on the almighty over and over again on the Shaddai. That is used there. It's used in Psalms, for example. Let me give you an example. Psalm 91, verse 1. It says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the almighty, in the shadow of the Shaddai. 
Do you see what that says? This is where I want to be. I want to be with God. How ridiculous to be anywhere except with God. And so he's saying to Israel, do you see where you are? And he says, the psalmist says here, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High, whoever is with God, who we call Yahweh, whoever is with God, rest in the shadow of the one who is all-sufficient, who is taking care of you. And he said, well, what if I die? You go on to be with him forever. What if, what if things get really rough? We go on to be with him forever and where there is peace and there are no more problems. This is incredible. I want to be with the almighty, with the all-sufficient, with the Shaddai. That also comes over into the New Testament, although the New Testament is written in a different language. It's written in Greek. But you see the Apostle Paul, who certainly knew the Hebrew, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. There is only one who can meet all needs. It is the all-sufficient. It is the almighty. Do you see how powerful that is? And so there they are in the middle of the desert, and they're saying, oh, life is tough. Oh, God's not going to take care of us. Let me tell you, if you go ahead and read Exodus, this is not the last time they're going to complain. They will complain over and over and over again, and I just love to pick them up and, you, and, and, and talk about how bad they are and just pray that you never say, David, tell me about your life because I probably don't look a lot different than the Israelites out in the desert. And I bet some of you don't look much different either. Because sometimes we all get into this, oh, if I just had more, if I just had this, if I just had that, if this wouldn't have happened. And God says, have you forgotten about the El Shaddai? Have you forgotten about the Almighty, the All-Sufficient that is with you? It's like, oh yeah. And I have to come back to God. And some of you say, well, what, what about Jesus? Where does Jesus work into all of this? I want you to see that Jesus is also all-sufficient. He is a part of that. He is a part of that almighty. And the Apostle Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 2, this is a little bit long, but I want you to see it in verses 15 through 20. The Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, and things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus is those things. Jesus, through his Father, has become those things. We have what we need in the middle of our desert. I sometimes say this, if we were to take the microphone around today and ask people, what is your desert? By the time, if you were setting one row back, by the time they got to you, you'd probably say, I don't want to talk because my desert is nothing compared to somebody else's desert that I've already heard. But let me tell you, whatever your desert is, it's real to you. It's real. And God is the answer for that desert. God will walk through you in that desert. 
Now, that doesn't mean you may not need to find a job. It doesn't mean that you may not need health care. It doesn't mean you may not need counseling. It doesn't mean that you don't need friends. Yes, of course, those things. God provides those things. That's part of him being all-sufficient to help us. But they're real, and we need help to get through those things. So here's my question today. Am I looking for God's glory in the desert? Am I looking for God's glory in the desert? Because you understand, whatever your desert is, are you blaming God? Or you maybe just say, no, I'm not talking to God much these days. A lot of times, I'll talk to somebody, they'll come in, or we'll meet for lunch, or whatever, and we'll talk about how things are going off, and somebody will call me and say, hey, I'm struggling. I mean, people do that with the preacher, the elders, with friends, you know that. But one of the things I like to ask is, are you praying? And I would say maybe 90% of the time, the person says, no, no. Understand, you are not there alone. God is with you. God is there. For those of you who have been with us for a while, you know there is something great happening in this church right now. I cannot explain it. I don't understand it, but there are good things happening. My guess is, in the last three months, November, December, January, even back maybe a little bit before that, my guess is we have had more baptisms here in those three months than any three-month period in our history. That, that may be true. We've had 10 this month here, and then we've had some at the prison as well. God is doing great things. And you know it's not because of the preacher. It's a lot of other things. It's great. You could say it's great youth ministry and great children's ministry and great ministry for older folks. But it's not even those things. It's God's Spirit that does those things. And it's wonderful. I mean, it's incredible. This morning, late sir, at first service, there was a baptism. Then, as Bible class started, there was another baptism. It's great. And some of them are our kids, and that's absolutely who we need to baptize. And then others are family members and people from the community that are coming to us. It is fantastic. And we praise God, and oh, it feels so good. And we want to stay close to God during this great time. But there will also be desert times. There will be times as a congregation when we're really down, when we're depressed, it seems like things aren't going right. But we cannot give up on God in those times because God will be there in the midst of our, of our deserts. He's there if it's nationwide, globally, or personally. He's there. Don't give up on God. Keep going through the desert with him. Eventually, we'll get to the promised land. Eventually, we will be with him forever. So this morning, maybe you're ready to be baptized into Jesus. Boy, so many things happen in baptism. It just seems like water. But it's when we are giving our life to God, when we come to him through faith, our sins are forgiven. All that old junk that we've been carrying around is gone. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit of God living in us. We become a part of his kingdom that he says, Now you can be in the shelter of the Most High, of the Almighty, in a way like you haven't experienced before. And you can do that. You can be baptized. Just come on down or tell me afterwards. But then a lot of us are going, You know what? I did that, David, but I'm still in a desert right now. Why am I still in a desert? 
Or maybe you need prayer today and you want everybody to pray. If you just want a few people, tell your family or people around you. But if you want everybody, come on down. We will all pray for you. Or you can write to us at elders at mcoc.org. The elders will be praying for you. And you put on that, make that public. The whole church will pray for you. We don't want to go through this alone. Life is too hard alone. But we can go through this with each other and with God. Come this morning as we stand and sing.